0: From Twin Cities Business, this is By All Means, a show about innovation, drive, and purpose, and the leaders who make business work in Minnesota. I'm Allison Kaplan, your host and editor-in-chief of Twin Cities Business Magazine. We're coming to you from the studios of our presenting sponsor, the University of St. Thomas's Opus College of Business, serving more than 3,000 students enrolled in its undergraduate and graduate business programs. The college develops effective, principled business leaders who think globally and act ethically. And now, By All Means. If you're in the startup scene in the Twin Cities, you likely know the name Ryan Brocher. If you're lucky, you probably know him personally. A lifelong entrepreneur, he founded Beta MN, Twin Cities Startup Week, and the Techstars Retail Accelerator with Target, all key ventures that have had a huge impact on our community and our startup scene here in Minnesota. Today, he's a founder and partner in Matchstick Ventures, a seed stage firm that recently raised $30 million for its second fund, which is focused on early stage tech companies in the North and in the Rockies. He's a busy guy. He has a lot of influence. And I'm so excited to have Ryan here today. Thanks for being here. Yeah,
1: of course. Excited to be here.
0: Um, you've done a lot in a short time. You make me feel very much like what the heck am I doing? (laughs) I I don't. So you take us all the way back. Will you tell us a little bit about where you grew up? Because I think it's really interesting, you know, how your whole career and focus has evolved.
1: Yeah, so way back when, I uh, actually grew up on a farm in uh, rural Iowa, Okay. Um, and uh, that actually has had a lot of influence in my life, uh, in, in basically everything, just like hard work, taking risks, uh, and uh, yeah, it's a big part of where I am today. So, But it, what brought me up to Minnesota is I went to school at the, the University of Minnesota, so got accepted into the Carlson School. Okay but wait
0: I want to go back to the farm. Okay. I want to hear More about the farm. Did you like was it was this a working farm? Oh, was yeah. this your your family's farm? Mm-hmm. Did you Yeah,
1: family farm. My my animals, no, corn, a... what was it? Yeah, no no animals, corn, corn and soybeans, okay. my my dad was a farmer. Both my grandfathers were farmers. It's like in our blood and and um yeah, so we grew up there, I think my my first job was picking up rocks uh, in a in a cornfield mm-hmm. uh, in you were the middle how old? Of, um, phew, probably like nine ten yeah something like that okay um, and uh, yeah just that was that was the way of life I think my my hometown is about five hundred people one stoplight wow uh, very very much out there did um, you
0: think you wanted to become a farmer
1: um, it was. It was what everyone was did and, and became. Uh, my dad was also a uh, John Deere dealer, so he had a, a John Deere dealership. Um, so he was business side, and he was a farmer, so he had both sides of it. So we always joked that um, my brother uh, was very much more on the farming side, and I was kind of more on the business side, so we'd always kind of learn on each each side of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I would guess it was growing up there was no other – Thing to think about, really. Yeah. Um, until I got into college and started to to, to uh, see all the other possibilities out there. Okay. Um, when but you... uh, yeah, it was very much like that. You know, ingrained in the the John Deere and the the yeah. farming and the everything. It was who we were. What
0: appealed to you about the the John Deere part of the business versus the the soybean part of the business?
1: <laughs> I mean. The green and yellow is, is really attractive. <laughs> it yeah, is, Yeah, yes. exactly. Um, Stands out. No, I just, I'm, I, like, with with farming, it's it's a lot of, like, working with your hands and, and um, you know, a lot of uh, brute force and all that stuff. And I was always kind of the nerdy, techie, like, trying to do computers and figuring out the the business relationships and that. I don't know. It was just kind of more of who I was. Mm-hmm. Whereas my brother would, you know, roll up his sleeves and change the oil and the tires yeah. and do all that stuff. And I would just be like, mm, can we just pay someone to do that and like figure <laughs> out how to, you know, focus on the business? So yeah, right.
0: So is your brother working on the farm now? He's he's no longer now. Yeah. Okay,
1: but uh, I still go back and help with harvest every year, and and uh, yeah, I bring my kids along for it. So
0: that's so nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say is your biggest? Take away from from your childhood. I mean, how does that you know experience influence everything you do in business today?
1: It's it's huge. Um, I I think that the main one is is taking risks, right? Like I, I look at farmers and, and my dad, like they're literally putting everything on the line every single year, putting you know a seed in the ground and hoping that like Mother Nature doesn't destroy it or right. the prices aren't you know off so that they're they lose money. Like it's, it's the, it's one of the biggest risk taking things you can do. So um, I don't know. I think I just had an appetite for risk very early, just knowing like every year, you're just putting it on the line. Mm -hmm. So that parlays very well into (laughs) entrepreneurship and and venture capital, you know, you're, you're, you're taking that risk. So I think I have a high tolerance for that, because of that experience. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So by the time you got to college, were you thinking, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be an entrepreneur or just something in business?
1: Yeah, I don't even think I knew what the word entrepreneurship meant to be honest when I got mm-hmm. into school. It was more business, and I and I uh, very luckily got into the Carlson School, like kind of on a whim, uh, a random application. I got in and was able to to be accepted. So when I got into school, there wasn't even. entrepreneurship major um, it started when I was about midway through my my uh, college career so I always knew like something in business just because of my experience with uh, the John Deere dealership Mm -hmm. and um, but I didn't know if that was like starting my own business or if it was what it was I didn't really know where I wanted to to be um, in the, in the business landscape. So yeah. when
0: did it crystallize? You had a very early venture, wasn't it while you were still in school yeah. that you did your first startup?
1: Yeah. Um, and even before then, I think where it kind of crystallizes, I had, um, a couple internships at like larger corporations, mm-hmm. like over the summer and great experiences. I, I loved them. Um, but it very quickly, uh, I learned about myself that that was not, what I wanted to do. And that was not where I was going to be happy. So, um, yeah, there was this new major of entrepreneurship and like starting your own businesses. And, um, so about halfway through is was, was like, Oh, I should, you know, check this out. So, um, and, you know, I knew what it was by that point, but it was kind of more like getting into like the, I think I want to be my own boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and but did uh, you have a business idea at that this, point? No, not at that point. Yeah. Like, so eventually we got into a, um, entrepreneurship class at the the Carlson School called Entrepreneurship in Action. And they basically force you to start a business just like, Hey, you have an idea or uh, most people don't have an idea. Um, but they, you go through this ideation process and, um, and uh, yeah, eventually there's a couple ideas that win, and they actually provide some funding for it for you to get off the ground. And were and, you uh, one of those? Yeah. So so um, the the idea I was working on was the one that got chosen. We kind of split the class up into a couple different groups, and. Uh, Yeah. Lo and behold, uh, we basically voted and I got voted CEO of the company. Well, what was the company? What was the idea? (laughs) Um, So it was a publishing business. We actually produced publications on behalf of the university. So you think of like, um, you know, a country boy like me moving to the city, pre-smartphone, kind of pre-Facebook domination. Um, You get there and you're trying to figure out... What? where is everything like where are the places to go like what are the things to do here Um and uh, university was producing these kind of welcome guide to campus but most students were just throwing them away and it was a, a cost center for the school because it was produced in like the housing department and uh, we said hey wouldn't it be great if, um, if we actually made this publication we could crowdsource the content so it was actually relevant to the students and they would you know appreciate the information um, in addition we'll sell advertising in it so it actually becomes a a profit center and will revenue share back to the university. Mm-hmm. Um, they really liked the idea. Um, so we were able to do that. And um, yeah, we grew a, a nice business out of that. Actually, we ended up signing a uh, six-year exclusive deal with the university to produce this publication. Um, we ended up donating our first year of profit because we we're still students. And we ended up doing really well in the, the first year. We donated all the money back. Um, to the university to create a entrepreneurship scholarship. Wow, um, that is still there today, actually. So every that's year, amazing.
0: Maybe you should come sell ads for Twin Cities <laughs> Business. <laughs> so, <Well. laughs> so did you? Were you completely on the like sales and publishing side of that venture?
1: Yeah, I was, was everything. Um, so we crowdsource the content from from writers and students uh, in the journalism school, um, and the the. Graphic design and, and all that stuff was uh, from other students and we basically sold all the ads first and then produced the publication later and we're able to deliver on on everything so um, yeah the first year went really well like I said we ended up signing a like a, a long term partnership yeah. with the university and, and did
0: you stay with it the whole oh, time
1: yeah. yeah so when I graduated um, ended up staying. Um, on that business for two years, and we ended up selling it uh, after those two years. To who would you sell to? Uh, to another publishing company uh, here in the Twin Cities. And is yeah. it
0: still is your company still <laughs> in existence? You know, within I don't know. I, I should check on that. What was it called?
1: It was called uh, the U Guide. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um. So after that experience, you're like, I can do this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, I knew. I feel like I knew a little bit more about what I was doing, but I still felt. I was still learning so much, like there was a lot of things in in running that business that I learned that I didn't know right? like wow, like like finance like that was a big thing, and like kind of the 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 back end like untalked about things of business like you can always have like the brand and the selling and all that stuff, and I felt pretty good about that um the back end stuff just kind of really nagged me that i didn't didn't understand it as as well as I should and especially if I was gonna do another endeavor. Like that was something um I really wanted to to understand. So yeah, that led me to to Boulder. I went to to C U Boulder um and got my MBA there and focused primarily on on finance hmm. to kind of learn that skill set.
0: Did you already know what you wanted to do next?
1: No. Okay. And did you <laughs> figure that
0: out while you were in Colorado?
1: Yeah, that was that was kind of what my re- rationale was going for there is I didn't really know what I want to do next. I knew I wanted to get better at finance and more. So I wanted to get, I wanted to like plug into another community and just kind of see what else was happening. And, um, I, I just happened to land really right place, right time, uh, into the Boulder ecosystem. Um, it was right when like tech stars was starting and founder group was starting and this whole startup communities movement was like literally happening in front of me. And I'm not, taking any credit for it i was just a participant in it um but you know to kind of see that happen and that kind of makeover mm-hmm. having while the economy was crashing like this is 2008 and like they're you know they they weren't going down they were you know thinking forward so um yeah i learned a lot from that i was able to you know take a lot of best practices and and stuff out there so i just yeah i just happened to get lucky being there and meet a lot of great people um at a really interesting time
0: so you graduated, you got your MBA, and mm-hmm. then did you come right back here? Did you take a job for somebody else, <laughs> yeah. or did you just move
1: right into starting startup week? Yeah, so we were out there for just over four years, um, and uh, we moved back primarily for family. My my uh, my son was born out there, and we were trying to decide like, you know, where we want to raise raise our family. Mm-hmm. And my wife's from Wisconsin. I'm from here, or uh, from Iowa. Um, so this made a lot of sense to move back and, um, you know, the talent of my time when I was in Colorado, I was doing, I worked for a fund that we were doing some investing. Um, and it really helped me understand how to do, uh, investing and how to evaluate it. And, um, you know, like who who are the players and kind of build that network out um, in that so i i was able to kind of bring some of that experience mm-hmm. uh, back with me but um yeah the the main driver was was for family
0: okay but so so you're back here you've got all this experience and knowledge now you have a successful venture that you've sold and now you know how to do the numbers besides <laughs> what what was the next move was it twin Cities startup week
1: yeah well at first it was beta okay. so um yeah, when I moved back, I wasn't I wasn't sure like should I do another startup or should I do um, the investment route? Like, what's changed? Yeah, here? did you, did you ever like, think
0: about going to work for a, a a big firm and being a you know investment not, banker? Not or?
1: really. I mean, honestly, I think it was still that entrepreneur side of me of like wanting to be my own boss. That, yeah, and I didn't come back being like I'm, I'm going to start a fund either. I was like I'm gonna I want to I want a little time to evaluate kind of what's happening here, where the opportunities are, and then. And then uh, go from there. and See if there's any experience I can bring to this market with me. So, yeah, I moved back and, and you know spent some time just kind of really figuring out what I wanted to do next and evaluate opportunities here. Um, and that led to Beta, like uh, my college uh, uh, friend Reed Robinson, who's the executive director. We actually were in that entrepreneurship class together. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going around to some of the other startup events and just talking with founders. And um, you know, I, I plugged back in with him and we just saw an opportunity here locally to help support the founders and really kind of take a founders first approach. And it beta really just started with a, like, we should do like an event, like let's do like a different type of an event that is, that is fresh, new, exciting. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I had, I had gone to a similar uh, event in, in Boulder when I was out there and it was like, you know, get, have the entrepreneurs come off the stage, have them be in front of their, um, in, in front of their product or whatever they're pitching. Um, and instead of one pitch, they're going to pitch a thousand times you know, or hundreds of times a night. And that's really what beta showcase is and was the first time and yep. still is today. It's a pop-up right? up
0: market yeah. for startups basically. Yeah,
1: And so we, we did the first one and it was, it was a total, we winged it like big time. We we knew some of the startups and we are like, okay, here's the premise. Maybe we can get a few hundred people or maybe even a hundred people to show up. We'd be really happy and let's test it out. And, um, so yeah, we did the first one. It was like it was in the winter. Um, Where was it? It was uh, above uh, Dayblock Brewing in uh, in Minneapolis in like a an event floor. Okay. Um, kind of explained everything to everyone beforehand. Luckily, all the startups showed up, and um, they were excited. They were excited, so- and uh, of course, the the morning of the event, like a blizzard rolls through, and we get like yeah, a foot of snow, and we're like. <laughs> All right. No one's going to show up. (laughs) This is like, let's, let's plan for the, the worst here. Um, But no, actually, I mean, we had, I think we had like 200 people show up really good and like really good feedback from everyone. There was just, just more like engagement, Mm -hmm. like force engagement, force pitching, force that stuff. And And I think that was, you know, a big takeaway was that the environment that we set up, encouraged collaboration and, and uh, kind of the mixing of, of folks, and that it was very founder-friendly in the fact that they, you know, got face-to-face time versus, like, it was one to, one-to-one to one instead of one-to-many. But who
0: did they get the face-to-face time with? Because for that very yeah. first one, were you able to get, you know, the VC people there? Was it investors or was it other founders?
1: Yeah, it, it was really all of the above. Like, there was, there was investors there. There was uh just you know startup community um supporters there was other founders there um you know service providers in the market hmm. like that's one of the one things we were really encouraged by was just the diversity of the the profile of the people that were there mm-hmm. um and it gave us a lot of hope that you know there's there's more to tap into than just uh you know just the investors or you know just right. the people who are working in that
0: did you charge the startups to be part of it or did you in read foot the bill to rent the space yeah. or how did how did you do it
1: no there was uh we we never charge founders for anything and that's still a, a caveat today mm-hmm. um, so it's always free for the founders um, we found a couple of sponsors who like would donate like some of the food it was pretty bare bones right like we basically we we paid for the space um we had a couple you know early um quick and dirty sponsors that were Mm -hmm. able to help support it and um yeah i think anything after that like we covered and just got it okay up and running yeah so
0: you've had you have a successful showcase under your belt then what happens to beta mn after
1: that (laughs) well everyone we got a bunch of feedback and we're like and everyone's like so when's the next one yeah like when are we doing this again and we're like Oh, man, we just got done with the last one. Right. we really to figure it out. Um, so, yeah, it basically kind of uh, uh, the flywheel of that started to take off where people were like, when's the next one? We want to do more. Like, uh, my friend starting this startup, they want to be involved. And so it was really just an event at the start. It wasn't what it is today. But so we ended up, yeah, we did another one like six months later. Um I think we doubled the attendance maybe that time or, you know, at Mm -hmm. least, at least 50% more. Um, But what
0: about for you personally? I mean, how are you making money at this point or did you (laughs) not need to? Because you said, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm curious, this is a great give back, yeah. but what's it doing for you personally?
1: Yeah. I I didn't quite, I really had no idea what, why, what we were doing (laughs) or, or, or totally why I just knew that there was a, there was this like gap in the marketplace and, um, you know, for me, I was doing some side things like doing some consulting here and there. And, but for me, it was more of like, look, I see an opportunity here. There's clearly a need. I'm learning a ton. I'm meeting so many people, Mm -hmm. you know, from this. And so for me, it was like a passion project of seeing it get up and running. And and same goes for, um, same goes for Reed. Like, um, it was just an opportunity for us to kind of be a change in the market and, and, um, I, you know, the more we kept doing it, the more feedback we got that it was positive. They wanted more, and I was just like we can't stop now. You know, let's, let's mm-hmm. keep it going. So, so, so beta
0: has become what, can you? It's like a it's an accelerator, an incubator. Yeah. Now.
1: So, um, so so beta is a founders first nonprofit now that, um, has had. Over 150 startups run through it um, since that since the first one, Um, and what they do is they it all starts with the showcase event, which is what I described Mm -hmm. previously. But then it leads into like a, a six month program that's you know there's no equity there's no no cash no anything it's it's for really early stage Um, and so they get the showcase event, which is a giant exposure event right like get the word out everyone kind of knows who you are then Um, and then it leads into um, a series of workshops that we put on with uh, bootstrappers um, organization here we also host um, various events like one of them is called beta backers and that's how we help the startups get connected with uh, financing and, 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 uh, you know, uh, fundraising sources. Uh, we've got, um, beta bridge, which is a connection to like the local corporations biz dev opportunities. Hmm. Um, there's a bunch of meetups for the founders. We've got press stuff, you know, and it kind of culminates in this like, you know, uh, mentorship. Um, I guess you call it an, I yeah, call it an incubator, yeah. um, at that, but it, you know, we want, we want to like showcase what's happening here and provide like a, a, a front door for all the startups to know like hey if you if you want to get started in startups like beta is here to help and help you get connected and giving you an advantage can um, you
0: name a couple are there companies that people would recognize oh, yeah. that have, uh, have run through beta yeah.
1: so mm-hmm. has went through it they just ipo'd in in australia uh Upsy is a, the company here locally that's that's uh um, yep. clarence can, has yeah. been on by all means oh yeah there yeah go. um yeah big fan um Gosh, who else have we had? Uh Kipsu was was one of the, the companies. Yeah. And all different um, industries mm-hmm. and
0: focuses. Kind of amazing. Yeah,
1: there's always like some sort of tech component to mm-hmm. it, but it's very um uh yeah, very early stage and and kind of all across the board, like like you said.
0: So then at what point did you say we also need a startup week
1: here <laughs> in the Twin Cities? Well it's about a about a year into beta you know, we're working with all the other orgs and we don't, we don't consider them like competitive or anything. It's like, let's, we are always collaborating. And, um, when I was in Boulder, I, they had done a, a, a startup week idea and, uh, I'd been tracking it kind of from afar and it was starting to get some momentum. And I was like, you know, I really like this concept because I felt like in the, in the twin cities, there was a lot of different orgs doing incredible things, but they were all kind of like doing them at random times throughout the year. And, you know, they all had kind of their niche and, you and, um, you know, if you talk to people from outside of the market, they're like, I just don't know when to come. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a, a scheduling thing. And Did
0: you feel, did you feel at that time – And this, how many years ago was that, like, did you start – when did Beta start?
1: So Beta started – would have started in um, 20 um, – gosh, what year? 2013? Okay. Yeah. And at
0: that time, did you feel like the Twin Cities was behind? Behind mm-hmm. Boulder, or behind other markets? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, from, like, a startup perspective, I thought – I saw like the underpinnings of, of growth, mm-hmm. but it just needed like a, like a catalyst. Like it needed something to get it going because it honestly, it, it reminded me a lot of what it kind of felt like when I was in Boulder, Denver, mm-hmm. you know, the, the four years earlier where you're like, I don't know what it is, but I can just see the writing on the wall here that the the underpinnings of something great is here. Like... It just needs like some sort of catalyst to to get it going. So yeah, I, I felt like we were behind in that regard, like as far as the pace of play, the the amount of startups, the amount of like acknowledgement that there is mm-hmm. a startup community even in this market. And so uh yeah, that was a big, big do, reason why we did it.
0: Do a lot of cities today have a startup week?
1: Mm-hmm. Is that pretty yeah, there's, standard there's, at this point? There's uh, hundreds of them around the world. Yeah, for sure. Um And uh yeah, when we were doing it, there was there was definitely. Like I said, Boulder and Denver had one. I think there was definitely other ones. But um, yeah, it was. it's it's a great force for kind of organizing um, uh, the startup community and, and rising the tide for everything, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if you can, instead of having all these like various voices out there, if you have like yeah. this kind of organized week, it's so much bigger. It's so much more impactful. And so many other people hear about it. Um, and that, I think that was one thing that I cared a lot about was kind of. Hey everyone here locally knows about all the the orgs and they're able to schedule their lives around that because they're here. Mm-hmm. But like what matters more was the connectivity of this market to all the other markets that are out there and we right. need to transcend like the the people who go to all the events here like we need all new people, we need more people, we need more, you know, like right. and like how do we how do we get people from from France, San Francisco, from New York to be like, oh, like I've been hearing good things about what's happening in this market. And here's, a, here's an incredible excuse to go there, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm going to get on a plane and, and go there because when I go there, I can cover all these bases and it's totally worth it. And they leave with a good taste in their mouth. And I, I thought we needed more of that, right? And, yeah. And uh, kind of be more kind connect- connected to the other stuff going on
0: so did you get buy-in right away i mean you yeah. needed to get the locals on board sure. right to have events and everybody to get on on the same calendar of when yeah. they were going to do it did that happen first year
1: um yeah it, it took a, it took a lot of coordinating um like i knew all the heads of the other founding organizations um from there and i just started talking to them one off about this idea they all they all were nodding their heads, being like, "Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Uh, you know, if you if you do it, if you end up doing it, like, well, you know, let's talk." And then, um, so they yeah, didn't there think was you were really gonna do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I don't <laughs> it know. <would> be crazy <laughs> enough to like, try to organize that, yeah, right? Yeah, they were like, "Yeah, good luck, Ryan." Uh, no, they were they were really supportive. Um, and then finally, we just all got in a room, and uh, so we organized uh, a meeting, and it was kind of like this coalition that came together, and we all. The first thing was just agreeing upon a date uh, of, of a week to do it. And then, um, kind of splicing up the, the days and the different orgs, you know, like Minnesota cup. Okay. You're going to be on Tuesday night. Beta is going to be Wednesday night. Thursday night's going to be, you know, whatever, a mini demo and just kind of organize like, okay, great. And then we, we did it far enough in advance that they're able to calendar it. Um, and yeah, that was really the spark.
0: Did it, um, did the very, the very first
1: one was what year? So it's been like five. Is it more seven? I would say it's twenty fourteen. Okay, which, yeah, uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, so I think that's right. <laughs> Give or take. A um,
0: year. And was it what you hoped for? Oh yeah, the first year. You so were... it was really
1: interesting. is it, it's, it's all kind of laughable now, but um, the first year we did it, um, I think we had twenty events. In a thousand attendees, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of across the events. And okay,
0: and this one, this past October, was more than two hundred events, I believe.
1: Yeah. And yeah. do you know how many people were involved? I think it was like fifteen to twenty thousand. Yeah. That's amazing. So, but that first year, we weren't like, oh, this. Thing, we were, we were really excited. Like, yeah. That was like, well, that's a great it was, start. It, it was fun. Yeah. So we, think... we, had, we had the kind of the major events, and then we had you know a bunch of other ones, and then I hosted like think like seven or eight of the events. Mm-hmm. Well, and you still, the week, you're still yeah. you still doing
0: that even though you're not as involved yeah, in the, the day-to-day. Less
1: percentage of the total now, for I sure. I think what's
0: yeah. been so interesting and exciting to see is that you are now getting buy-in from big corporations. Yeah. They are sponsors. They want to be there Targets hosting events. Other big companies are doing it. You're getting those investors coming in. Yeah, how how did that happen? I mean, what did it, it take?
1: I mean, and this is this is exactly why I was excited about about Startup Week because it helped transcend just the startup community and it helped shine a brighter light on what's happening here. And so, I mean, it's it's been a a long haul to get there, but I feel like it got to the point where. Every year, someone was bringing a friend to an event, right? Or they, or um, you know, someone in the in, in the corporation would attend an event because they start to hear about it, and then it it just started to flywheel from there. And I feel like this year we had a transcendent year where it's like all of a sudden everyone's starting to realize like, wow, this is actually a huge deal. We need to support this, and it's good for everything. Like even corporations, it's like, um, it's it's a great to have an economy that attracts young. Uh, excite, you know, interesting, mm-hmm. creative class people into the market, have these ideas in their backyard, like, um, and to be positioned as a leader in there is, is, is a really big deal. So I think this year there was a, there's a click uh, that happened. Definitely. Um, and uh, we're really excited about that.
0: Um Okay. So meanwhile, a- in the middle of all this, you've got Beta MN, you've got Twin City Startup Week, which is growing every year, and then... There's the the tech stars, the target yeah. tech stars. So tech stars existed.
1: Yep, not but, not in Minnesota, but yeah.
0: Okay, so did you see that and think we got to bring that here too?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have enough to do. Yeah. So uh, meanwhile, I still keep. I mean, you're you're just sort of doing. You're kind of like the gig economy guy. You're just you're consulting and doing. Like, how are you paying your mortgage yeah. well, while you're doing all these amazing things for all these other
1: founders? <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah, I was doing some side stuff, but also even before TechStars, and kind of like after the really the second year of, of Startup Week, um, is what really where, where the the startup matchstick happened first. Okay. So, um, you know, I I kind of I saw the startup community. I had had some previous experience in the investing side, and I was like, wow, like I see a huge opportunity here. There's a you know incredible entrepreneurs. Um, and you know, I kind of looked around the local investment scene and I didn't, I I didn't think there was, um, the capital going into the startups at a stage that was necessary and they needed some, some C stage leadership. So I, I, um, I took that as an opportunity to be like, well, instead of saying that, like, why don't we just go do that? Right. Like, why don't we just prove that there's a, there's, there's an opportunity here. So did a proof of concept fund starting in, uh, 2020. let's see, 2014, mm-hmm. um, and just started investing in, in some of the companies here locally to show like there's a there's a better way to do it. Okay, I'm going to yeah. ask
0: something really personal. You yeah. can tell me to shut up, but I just have to know, and I think people want to know, are you investing your own
1: money? Yeah, some of it was my own money, and then we had a couple other investors as well. Okay, do you
0: kind of have to, to be an investor, to be a VC, you know, I, I you hear the stories today, it's so much more out there, I think, than it, yeah. than it used to be, and you're like, gosh, that's a good gig. I want to do that too. but you just sort of feel like, well, you gotta have a lot of money to to make a lot of money to go do that. Is that true or do you not? You just have to know how to invest.
1: Yeah, I think there's kind of two paths in into uh, into VC. I think one is is having the operating experience, right? like being a uh, an entrepreneur first, you you kind of can relate to the startups. You know, If you've been successful, you can kind of say, like, I've been there, I've done that. And then you get the credibility to you know either join a firm that is, is interested in investing in stuff that you've done previously and you can bring kind of a unique skill set mm-hmm. um, to it. And that's usually for, like, an earlier stage fund um, because you're trying to, like, there's not much data at that time, right? Like, you're trying to relate and, and extrapolate. And project right. on very little data. So if you've kind of been there, done that, you can you can use that to your advantage. Maybe join a f- firm, or in my case, start you know start something super super small, um, and, and kind of grow it from there. The other path is more the traditional financing, you know, um, route, and and that's usually for like kind of mid to late stage investing where there's more data, there's it's more quantitative, it's it's more formulaic. Um, and Which then, appealed to you? Uh definitely the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Granted I got yeah, I focused on finance in my MBA, but I just what I really liked about when I was doing my own startups was really the start. Like I really liked the zero to one and mm-hmm. when we started to go one to ten is when I got kind of bored or hmm. in and or I was just like always yeah. the next idea, the next idea. Like I think I Drive some of my friends crazy with like this. I got this new idea. Like we should, you yeah. know. Did so, you
0: did you have early successes? Did did you make the the, the right bets when you were yeah, starting we, to invest? Yeah, we
1: we were able to make some some good investments in the in the that first kind of proof of concept that we we're able to point to to say, hey, look, we want to do more of this type of stuff.
0: And you had a partner going into this. No, from the start. no it was just me. It was just you. Okay. Yeah. Um. Meanwhile, is there part of you that was thinking like I want to do another startup? You're surrounded by founders and entrepreneurs yeah. everywhere. Obviously, you've keyed in on some. You 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 found a identified a problem and an area, and that's mm-hmm. entrepreneurial too. But were you thinking about what your next thing was going to be, or did you know this was it?
1: I didn't know it going into it. I just knew that it was something I wanted to learn more about, and that mm-hmm. was one way to do it. Um, at that time, yeah, I was always I was always thinking of ideas. Like if I if I had something, you know, maybe I'd go back into the being an operator or not. But the more I got into the investing side, the more I was like, oh, this is this is what I want to do. Like this really appeals to me on a lot of different levels. And, and one of them being that I liked the start and like when you're investing, you're constantly starting. Oh, yeah, you're always starting, right? You're always investing at the beginning and then you get to see it through and then you kind of go back to the beginning again and find another one. Mm-hmm. So um uh, I really felt like that was um a, a great fit for me. And yeah. uh once I had the, you know, I'd done it a few times. I was like, I want to do more of this. So, okay. Yeah. So, you, so
0: you've so you got your own investment thing going. Yeah. You've got Startup Week. You've got Beta. And then you bring Techstars to Target. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Did you have a relationship with Target?
1: Um, yeah, and, and Techstars. So Techstars is based in Boulder. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I knew some of the folks there from my time there, but um, and I And
0: Techstars was... just really briefly oh, is, yeah. is a big um, accelerator.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's a worldwide network that helps entrepreneurs succeed. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the ways they do that is through accelerator programs. And so I think they currently have about 50 accelerators around the world in pretty much every major city you can think of. Um, and it's a three-month program, super intense. They recruit 10 companies. They all move to one location. And it's all mentor-driven. So there's, you know, uh, hundreds of mentors per program of people who are literally donating their time mm-hmm. um, to help these startups succeed and um, that's really the the magic behind it and uh, so they, re- they go through the three month program they get basically like a year's worth of work done in three months and come out you know, on a better trajectory or, you know, solving problems or, you know, with the product launch or something at the back end of it.
0: Why did you think Target
1: should be part of it? And how did you convince them? Yeah. Um, so it was, it was an interesting time. Like I just closed uh, Matchstick, our, our first fund. So we did the proof of concept and then we did Matchstick fund one. And so when, when I raised that fund, there, there was no tech stars. Like we hadn't even talked about it yet. But after I'd closed it, I was like, man, I think the twin cities should have tech stars. I think I, I was a mentor in some of the other programs like in Boulder and in uh, Austin and Chicago. Um, and I just saw like how much power it, it, it Mm-hmm. Well, like the organizing around the mentor pool and like how powerful it was yeah. for those markets, and
0: it literally brings companies to town. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Branch and uh, I mean, inspectoria. Yes, yeah, and, yeah several totally. that have, and have actually stayed here.
1: Yeah, they're growing huge teams here. Um, and so it was just a force for good. And so I knew the techstars folks. I happen to know some of the target innovation um, people here locally, just from the startup community. And I said we should all talk. Like yeah. uh, this is this seems like everyone's kind of talking the same stuff here. So um, yeah, they ended up <laughs> they they all got together, decided um, the I, I kind of stepped out of the way. They ended up signing a deal, and then um, yeah, afterwards they asked me to be the managing director to help bring tech stars um, to this market. And for me, it was really interesting. Like as I was looking through the the different industries in this market, like retail to me was really interesting at that time. Um, You think like 2015, 2016 timeframe, like retail is just like getting disrupted left yep. and right. And to me that just screamed opportunity. Um, uh, You know, I wanted to see Target succeed here locally. And I thought that this could be a force for good for kind of bringing new ideas and, and, and stuff to the forefront to them. And just from like uh, an investor, like curiosity point of view, like I wanted to be, kind of in the chaos of what was happening there, Mm -hmm. so... Um, it and was so a big idea, opportunity, yeah.
0: The idea was um, the Target tech stars was startups that were per in retail or mm-hmm. maybe would be something that would be of interest to Target.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was all retail technology mm-hmm. um, and it was all stuff that, yeah, definitely was relevant to to Target and, and the broader retail industry. Uh, Do you feel well.
0: like you're seeing as much retail innovation today? I mean, it's interesting how much more uh, consumer-facing it's become. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of stores like beta, which is literally like a, you know, you've seen that store, it's beta with the eight, number eight. Yeah, the the other beta.
1: Right, (laughs) but it it
0: looks like an Apple store, except with iPads that show you startups. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting that now, I think that retailers are, like, bringing that to consumers, and that's what makes it seem cool and relevant. Yeah. Like, they're not stuffy and old-fashioned.
1: Totally, yeah. I mean, that and that was just happening, like, when we started the program, was kind of this, like, what is a new, what is a new store? You know, like, what is what is it's not a store it's an experience Mm -hmm. you know and you think through that stuff and what's so funny is like you'll clearly the consumer can see the end product of that they can go into the the new target stores or the beta stores and and see that what's like i feel like 80 percent of the innovation is happening behind the scenes though Mm -hmm. like it's in the logistics the supply chain the the factories the online the marketing like you think about right. like not the sexy stuff. Yeah, like that's the end product yeah. of it is like this kind of new design and the ability to surface that but it was we were always digging in on the back end stuff that like no one even thought about it but is there are just huge huge opportunities and in problems in the industry that we are able innovate. to to take over. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And do you feel like the 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 pace is I mean are, are we making progress? Is there a lot of innovation? Do you think there are a lot of cool retail-related tech companies, you mm-hmm. know, here or, or happening now?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's increased dramatically since then. And and you're seeing not only more startups from here starting retail-focused uh, companies uh, or retail technology, but, like, startups in other markets spending time here, right? Like, they see kind of the, the targets of the world as as an entry point for them mm-hmm. into the market. So that's equally as, as interesting, right? And you're seeing retail VCs spending time here, you know, and that's a pretty good indicator of of activity. So right. yeah.
0: So at this point, you have kind of stepped away from it's like your work is done here. You you've you've gotten all these things started. They're up and running. Twin Cities Startup Week <laughs> is like a beast of its own. Yeah. You're
1: focusing on matchstick. Yeah. Yeah. So for both beta and, and um, I'm startup week I'm just on the board. We've got full time staff who who do all that, um, and uh, so I still stay plugged in, but not not operating it. Um, Tech stars, you know, we've got two new programs for that here locally with the the farm to fork program mm-hmm. with Cargill and EcoLab, and the healthcare program with United Healthcare. Um, and so that's, that's really cool to kind of see that one program go to three programs. Yeah. Um, and to see
0: other big companies recognizing the opportunity. Yeah. No, it's,
1: and it's huge. Uh, really, really big industry. I mean, if you think about the industries that it covers, it's retail, food and ag and healthcare, which are, don't quote me on, I think they're the three largest industries in the world. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, the Techstars programs for those are in, in our market. Like that's. It's incredible yeah like that's that's really incredible um, so yeah I, I ran that retail program for three years I stepped back from that um, about a year ago um, to focus on matchstick. Full time, um, and uh, and I recently became, um, um, and I don't know if this is public yet, but I guess it will be now. Uh, is uh, became a, a venture partner with the TechStars investment team. So um, I still have a role with TechStars where I help support managing directors um, in there in helping them make good investment decisions and and um, you know see them through through the program. So it's good. I, I still get to work with managing directors kind of all across the country mm-hmm. like the role I was in um, but um, you know do it more so in a support for them
0: is being a good mentor which you obviously are different from being a good investor or is it the same skill set
1: ooh that's a great question i think it depends on well yeah i think they're very different skill sets um, but it depends on what type of an investor you are. I would say there's certain type of investors that it, being a good mentor matters a lot. And there's there's other investors where it, it doesn't, right? And I would say early stage investing is um, more mentor driven. Um, and that is, a, you, I mean, you have to have empathy for the founder. You have to be able to understand kind of what they're going through. And you have to understand that there's going to be pivots and problems and you know chaos and founder split ups and like all this stuff. And I think that takes a bit of, that is very much mentorship, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I always like to say when you're on a board of of an early stage startup, or if you're an investor, it's like you're part financial supporter and part cheerleader, part psychologist, you know, like you have to kind of wear all these different hats because uh, being a founder is a very lonely, lonely road. And a lot of times they look to their investors or their board members as that source of strength. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, that, you know, that's, I think it's part of it. Whereas you get in in later stage stuff, it's, you know, they have the networks, they have hundreds of employees, they have um, that. And I think being a good investor at that stage is really recognizing trends and data that is showing that this company is going to succeed and kind of know what it takes to get to that escape velocity uh, for them. So I I do think that there's, there's overlap there, but only in a certain stage of the...
0: So as an early stage investor, what are you looking for?
1: Yeah. Um, so w- when we look at a company and this is also a techstar's mantra is there's six things we look for in in in, uh, the, in this order too so it goes team 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 <laughs> okay <laughs> um market uh product and then traction um, from there so you can see it's uh, a, a cheeky people way first. cheeky way to say uh people first right um but it, it is so important like uh, it, most investors will say this especially in the seed stage but you'll there's just something about certain founders that you can just, you can just tell that they're like so obsessed with the problem that they're going after and they have the team around to support them and they've got the, the grit and determination to, to get through it. And, um, we like to, one of our uh, sayings at, at, matchstick is like, we, we like to support founders that are, that are underdogs. And so these are, these are folks that, you know, um, come from untraditional backgrounds, um, they, uh, ha- are really gritty, you know, and they've kind of had this feeling that they've been put on this earth to solve this problem mm-hmm. and they're just going to like, they're, they're going to spend their life like solving this problem. They're obsessed with what they're doing. Um, and that, you know, we look for that in our founders and you'll see it across a lot of our portfolios. They've, they've really felt the pain of what they're, they're trying to solve and they'll solve it. I, I don't wanna
0: put you on the spot, but yeah. you're gonna do it anyway. Is there a, a particular venture startup right now that you're just like really excited about?
1: Yeah, of course. Well, I mean they're all You're excited about all of them. They're all gonna be unicorns undoubtedly. Of yeah. course, yeah. of course. Um yeah, I mean there's a there's a few that we're really excited about, especially here locally. Like I mean you you interviewed Clarence from UpSy, like mm-hmm. we're really bullish on what he's doing. Um, What is
0: it? I mean, obviously it's Clarence. Yeah, it's Clarence Clarence first.
1: Clarence's machine. Yeah, but once you get
0: past his passion and enthusiasm, and hopefully everyone will go back and listen to that episode of By Uh, All Means to hear Clarence's story. But but what is it about Upsy that makes you
1: so confident? Well, yeah, I mean it's clear leadership like that checks the box one hundred and ten percent, right? And but when you dig into the market and like what they're going after, is there. They're disrupting a thirty billion dollar industry that I don't think anyone really knows exists. And if they interact with it, they kind of hate it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the experience is terrible. Um, you know, the the claims process is horrible. It usually doesn't work, and uh, they're the people are just have giant margins that they're just taking out, and that all is like not looking at the not not in the best interest of the consumer, right? Um, what I love about Upsey is they just flipped it on its head and they said, you know what? No, we're actually gonna go and be on this on the consumer side of this and make sure this experience is amazing for them, right? And we're gonna flip it on its head and and make sure that people are delighted when they get to do a claim and that they want to do more. And you know, like Mm -hmm. you start to think through that, project that out. Like they become you know, they buy Uh, a warranty for their phone. And that's a great experience. And Now they're like, oh, we have these iPads. Okay. That's great. Now we've got, you know, a dishwasher. Like you start to think through like all the things you can get, um, in a, in a household to have these warranties, if they have that like great experience, um, and, and selling it from a position of like trust versus like uh, I don't know you get like the icky feeling you mm-hmm. know versus the other stuff like yeah. um, I think that was what really got us and if you dig in with the customer data and like they're they're, met, they're super metrics driven company you can just see like the underpinnings of, of something really exciting
0: so to to be to have that in investors eye or you know mm-hmm. kind of insight to like okay yeah this is something I mean how much of it is gut and just kind of like understanding the, you know, the human aspect mm-hmm. to it versus running numbers.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, how do I answer this? I, I think, uh, it's, I would say it's 75% like instinctual to some extent. Like you're, there's something interesting. There's something there that you're just like, you, you can wake see up, it right away. You, you can, well, and it's not, I wouldn't say it's always right away. There's okay. always like a, sometimes you like hear it, but then it just doesn't leave your brain. You know, it's like you wake up the next morning and, and you're thinking about it and you're, you know, with your friends and you're like talking about it and you're like, why am I still thinking about this? You know, and you just can continue to, to start to obsess over it. Right. And I think that, uh, a lot of that is like, either I've seen this play out before and this smells like a similar opportunity and, and whatnot. And, or like the, like, I think there's something here that other people may not see, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's really where the, the risk comes in is like when you're going against the, st- the status quo or where people are like, you're crazy, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of makes us pretty interested. And so for us, it's like, we want to see stuff that's unique. We want to see founders that have a, you know, a deep, passionate connection to, to the problem that they're solving. Um, and, uh, it, you know, something that's, that's a little weird too, you know, that this that... I think uh, is um, you know unique in the market is is right. important. So, um, so I say that, and then you, clearly, like that's all the the front end of it. And there's so much number stuff on the back end, right? Like then you start to dig in the numbers, you start to do the market analysis, you start to do the customer calls. You you know, there's I'm not overshadowing. You're, like you're, we just like meet someone and we just throw a turn sheet in front of them. It's not <laughs> you do your it's due not diligence that too. no, but it like it, it you know you have to spend your time to 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 uh, build a relationship there and and understand, like, before you dig in too much on that, like, is this something that you're, you want to keep doing that with? Yeah.
0: So speaking of spending your time, how do you spend your time? I mean, (laughs) I know there there's time at coffee shops. Yeah. yeah. There's, I mean, like what, where, what is a typical day like?
1: Yeah. So it's a, it's a lot of meetings, uh, a lot of, well, in, in, in these days, more and more video calls uh, on a regular day, but with yeah. potential entrepreneurs or with founders that you're that you've invested, yeah, in? I would say it's about. 25% existing investors kind of working in the portfolio. I would say actually a third of it is that, like checking with companies, like doing regular checkpoints with them, making intros for them, like working for the portfolio.
0: Mm-hmm. You have how many companies that Matchstick is working with?
1: Right uh, so now? in Matchstick, we've invested in almost 50 companies at this wow, point. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and uh, so there's a lot of that, right, a lot of check-in. And then a third of it is is sourcing, so just, you know, meeting new people, taking intro calls, mm-hmm. uh, the coffees, the, the events, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's really exciting. I, I really enjoy that. you uh, kind of have to, right? Yeah. Like, right. I, yeah. I mean, like... <laughs> yeah. You know, gotta like coffee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a third is, is really like relationship back end stuff of the fund, right? Like we have a bunch of investors, so we communicate with them all the time. Uh, and there's just a lot of kind of dirty work of like reporting and taxes and, in you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, auditing and all that do stuff. Do you like that, that stuff? <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> but you know how uh, to do it. No, actually, I'll say, I'll say the I shouldn't lump that all together. There's there's like the reporting and the the end stuff that mm-hmm. um, we actually outsource a lot of that, and you know that's it's a needed thing. Um, the like LP relationships and the investor stuff, I love. Like, I actually it, it reminds me a lot of working with startups, and it's just like communication and, and mm-hmm. connection. And we have we have some amazing investors like in our fund we've we're super lucky to have really a lot of the uh the who's who of the local entrepreneurship community and and successful entrepreneurs that are excited to like invest in the next next wave of entrepreneurs and not only invest but then support them like as mentors and stuff like that so are we talking like do they
0: have to have like big big money to to get in like how much does it take to get into well the the main thing is
1: you to to do uh to be in a VC investor or in, invest with a VC fund, you have to be an accredited investor. So mm-hmm. there, ha, there is a threshold of of uh, net worth that you have to have just legally to right. do it. So yeah, there's there's that, and then just um, it, it's kind of an odd odd rule. But yeah, there's there's a threshold there.
0: Is everybody who meets that threshold right for it?
1: No, <laughs> straight up no. Um, there's a risk tolerance too, right? Like. Venture capital is, is insanely risky. Mm-hmm. Like there's, it's the only asset class slash profession in the world where you can be wrong the majority of the time and still be the best in the world at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, that's just kind of bizarre to think about, but that the, the risk you're taking has to equal the reward that you can get right. out of it. And so, yeah, not everyone who's, whose ability to invest in VC should because they're, I mean, it, it should be under the mindset that there is a chance that this goes to zero. There's a chance it goes to a hundred. Like it's it's somewhere in between there. As
0: we see more of these really enormous high profile, you know, failures Mm we work comes to mind. Um, or just you know kind of the over Mm -hmm. investment in in some ideas what where do you think we're headed for a market correction should we be how how do you process as somebody (laughs) who does this work what do you think when you see like what what's going on with we work right now
1: yeah uh predicting the future that's that's a tough (laughs) one um yeah so like the we work thing is is super interesting right and I w- I wouldn't totally classify. I'm not I'm not defending any if they do, but I wouldn't classify WeWork as a total failure either. Like it's it's had it's clearly the last stretch of their growth has been been questionable in the practices of what they've done. Mm-hmm. But like if you were if you were an early stage like if you, if you're in the seed round of of WeWork, um, and or if you were an early employee or whatnot, like it still has created a you know a ton of value mm-hmm. from them. Like and they're they're probably. Quite fine. They probably, maybe even have already exited out of there. Um, the The landing of the, the IPO has been been the, the rough spot. Um, but what you're finding is that um, what that has shook out in the industry is is much more a focus on unit economics, like. Is this thing a real business? Like, mm-hmm. are you going to produce a profit someday? Um, you know, what is your strategy? You know, right? And if your strategy is just outspend someone else um, and assume that that money is always going to be there, that's not a that's. I, I think they've kind of tainted the well on on that approach. Yeah. So you're seeing much more focus on like, okay, let's dig in to the unit economics of, of what you're doing. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Like, and, and honestly, it p- plays to the strengths of, of the Twin Cities ecosystem and the places that we invest because that's the type of businesses that come out of there.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, how do you say no you, you, you can't possibly meet with everybody who I'm sure you must, people must pitch you 20 times a day, everybody mm-hmm. you meet. I, I mean, how do you say no to, to meetings? How do you say no to giving people money? Like, how, how do you find the balance?
1: <laughs> yeah, this is, and to be honest, it's been a, a tough part is just learning how to say no um, so often. Like, the Midwesterner in me wants to please everyone, you know, and, yeah. and, and not disappoint. but um. I think it really comes down to like where you think you can actually help. Is there a fit and is this a good use of both people's time, right? Not just mine, but also the entrepreneurs that we meet with and the opportunities in front of them. So I've been, been trying to be very clear about like what is the type of stuff that Matchstick likes to invest into? If so, like let's talk. If there's a way I can help connect, then like, let's do that. Um, efficiently and, and, and easily as, as we can. Might not require a coffee. Yeah, it might not require that amount of time. A lot of this is, can be email or a video call or, or uh, just even a text message, like a lot of time is, is done there. So how can you get that much leverage? And um, you know, it, it, it's it's one thing to say no, like really early on just being like, look, I don't think this is gonna be a, a matchstick investment um, just because of, you know, it's not in our thesis or we don't invest in type of stuff. It, it, it is really hard to say no once you've dug in A long Mm -hmm. time and you've done a lot of diligence and then you say no um that's that's really hard to do but it's you have to do it right there's just there's there's way more opportunities than there is uh deals that we can actually do so we unfortunately have to say no to a lot of really cool awesome things that we like Mm -hmm. (laughs) in in the in the hopes that uh you know we're constructing a good portfolio right yeah
0: um where do you think will be where will you be in five or ten years where will the twin Cities startup scene be what what, what's your vision
1: yeah um well i think twin cities is, is is really poised to to get to that level of like you know, a Seattle or a Denver and Austin, like we're, we're almost there. Like it is so close. And I think having, what's it going to take? So I think it's going to take, well, a couple exits that kind of really puts us on, on the map. And I think there's some companies out there that could really be leaders, um, on there. There's going to be more and more acceptance of like Minnesota, not, um, just being like a a second tier city. It's like a place that people get on planes to, they go to, it's a cultural destination. It's a technology destination. It's and, and you know, the more that narrative goes throughout the country, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just gonna be a bit more of like, kind of uh, bottoms up approach of like more startups, more interest, more acceptance of that, that will you know kind of feed it up, along with the stuff that's already happening, like um, having you know some sort of uh, payday or exit off of that. Mm-hmm. And I think those two things would be in like, because people will then look, and when they look, and they go a couple layers deeper and they see all this like bubbling up of, of other the companies that are already starting, um, that's when people will really start to take notice and spend time and effort and money um, in this market. So I'm I'm super bullish on, on what's going on here. Um, and I, I absolutely think like, we won't be the next Silicon Valley. No one will be, we're not gonna be New York City. We're not gonna be Chicago. But like that layer of like, you know this Seattle, Denver, Austin that like everyone is accepted as as like um you know destinations for for tech companies and for uh, startups I think we're we will be there. Um And for you personally? For me personally, I will be doing uh I hope Matchstick. I hope we can keep it going. Um no, I I I absolutely love what I'm doing right now. So I, I expect to to uh continue doing that with Matchstick. And Matchstick is is, uh, I hope, is going to be my life's work. Like, this is hmm. the thing that I, I'm i really passionate about and keep going. Uh, building that as a business. Um, still involved with beta. Growing uh, startup week. Like, I don't foresee myself... Um, you know, leaving that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Master
0: networker, master juggler. <laughs> you have really brought so much to the Twin Cities. I mean, everybody should really realize how much you've done to to get this market where it is and set it up for what comes next. Ryan Brosher, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Stick around. Next, we're going back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. Well, it seems like such a great time to be an entrepreneur, and Ryan makes it seem so easy. I think I want to become an investor. What do you think, John McVeigh? Let's go back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. Professor McVeigh teaches entrepreneurship here. Should I become a venture capitalist like Ryan?
2: I think that's a great aspiration, (laughs) but uh, I have to do warn you that um, there's some ugly math that goes along with the venture capital world. So, for instance, despite all the glamour and all the associations we see with it on TV and in the media, less than half a percent of all startups actually get any venture funding whatsoever. Wow. And of those, less than 1% of the ones that do get funding ever go on to go public and at a a value of about a billion dollars, the so-called unicorns that everyone gets excited about. But they generate all the publicity. So there's something a little deceptive about that world. The media is in love with these large, fast-growing um, venture capital models, particularly from Silicon Valley and you know some from the Boston area. That is very atypical. But the other side of that coin is venture capital has had a huge cultural influence on um, on how businesses are started up and the culture uh, in the startup phase. Um, so. Along with the venture capital model came this idea of the lean startup.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And in, in the olden days, we used to tell entrepreneurs, you know, you need to take months and years to plan, 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 and to perfect your product and to keep it all in-house and to write a really large business plan and to assemble all the resources. And then eventually you need to raise some money and go out and execute. The lean startup is the antithesis of that. It actually says, get out. A quick product, minimal viable product, get it out the door really fast, try it. Then you measure and learn how people respond to it. Then third step, you pivot, you change it, and then you go back and you redesign your minimal viable product. And imagine that like a little three-point circle. You go round and around that several times after you've started up, not prior to startup. Is that a good thing? I think broadly it has been a good thing. I think it has opened the door to entrepreneurship to a lot of people who would have been very reticent to do so because they were afraid they didn't have the perfect idea or they hadn't exactly ironed out all the problems. And this idea that most entrepreneurs, indeed many entrepreneurs, learn as they go has been a very powerful thing. And I think it has made it more accessible to people who, who maybe don't necessarily come from backgrounds that have been associated with entrepreneurship in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that has been really healthy.
0: Um, It it feels, though, like there is so much money out there today and there are so many different ways and approaches. I mean, Ryan is somebody who wants to really work with entrepreneurs and help them think through the business, which seems like a great opportunity. Should entrepreneurs be looking for money right away or is that still not the best way to start?
2: Venture capital can be fabulous for certain sorts of businesses um, and particularly businesses that are fast growing and in large markets. There's some Because of the basic math, nine out of 10 venture capital or firms that venture capitals invest in will probably fail. So they need to generate all the returns from the one that's left standing. So the venture capital model only makes sense really in very large markets with high potential growth rates. And if that suits your business they could be a great partner. And the wonderful work he's doing in training and, and helping people develop their business model has been a real boon. And for us to have someone like him in our community is just a, a, a real um, you know point of attraction for for young people who are thinking of moving to these cities that have got venture funding and have got these opportunities.
0: But for those entrepreneurs who are feeling the pressure, like, boy, I'm nothing if I can't raise money right off the bat, that's not really the case.
2: No, and there is nothing worse than trying to grow at exponential rates inside a market that is not growing. And that can bring very unhealthy pressures on startups. It turns out the other side of this coin is 70% of startups start with less than $10,000 and start with only family, friends and family money. Hmm. Even they today? Even today. You know, three quarters of all the startups are starting with about 10000 bucks, mostly from friends and family. Wow. And when they grow to two or three years, they may then go out and look, look for angel investors. You know, local people who have a business and are looking to invest in someone else. They may get a bank um, loan. They may raise money from uh, customers or suppliers. And then after two or three years, they may actually be in a position to go for venture capital when they see a high growth opportunity. Uh, but I guess my only... my my only warning to um, uh, to entrepreneurs is to consider venture capital is a really culturally important sliver of the startup market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're really lucky that we have it in this country and in Minnesota because it really influences across the world. But most of the other startups don't need to start their businesses in exactly the same way as the venture capital because they can't grow at the rates uh, that model demands.
0: Right. Great perspective. It takes a little pressure on yes. those of us. Those unicorns cause a lot of pressure, don't <laughs> Absolutely. they? Absolutely. John McVeigh, thank you so much for being here. And thank you to our sponsor, the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. If you haven't already, please subscribe to By All Means wherever you listen to podcasts and take a minute to rate and review us. It really helps the show. I'm Alison Kaplan. On behalf of Twin Cities Business, thanks for listening to By All Means. teamwork to make by all means and we've got some all-stars thanks to our audio engineer Tom for digital support is Ricky Hannigan and Dan Nepo thanks to the University of St. Thomas senior media relations manager Benita Sakar and associate dean of the Schultz School of Entrepreneurship Laura Dunham for all their help our theme music is by song finch hope you enjoyed by all means